Hello and welcome to the Jabroni Show on CFRC 101.9 FM. How's it kicking? How's it going? How's it cool? And what's up? Are you posting? Are you not? The NBA trade deadline just happened. And I mean, I'm feeling electric right now. The trade deadline was one of the more exciting ones, I think, in recent history. And filled with deals, filled with non-deals that are just almost as exciting to talk about as the deals themselves. Overall, extremely enjoyable. How is it going, Evan? Mm, I'm good. Uh, I'd like to start off this broadcast by, I mean, there's been some debate recently, especially with free agency this past year, that that Woj may not be the GOAT. Um, that Shams was catching up, that uh, Tim Bonateps, I think his name is, was catching up, and a couple other guys were too. But man, Woj dominated, dominated the trade deadline. He had everything. I don't know if if Shams had pneumonia or something, or if, or if just people decided they didn't like him and didn't give him any information. But uh, before we kind of talk about the trades and, and who won, who lost, I feel like we have to appreciate greatness to a certain degree. And I mean, Woj basically put up a triple double on the deadline day. He was, he was putting in work. I just, that's, that's all I had to, that's, that's what I have to start off with, to be honest. No, I completely agree with you. Woj was on fire as far as breaking these trades. Mm -hmm. And if there's one trade that you had to pick out that you wanted to kind of break the ice with on this trade deadline talk, which one would it be? Yeah, we can go through the bigger trades from the deadline, um, give them grades. The first one, and I mean, which is probably, I don't think that it's too significant, but it, it was the biggest trade, and that's uh, the uh, Chicago getting Nikola Vucevic and Alfred Aminu in return for Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., couple of juniors it's funny uh chicago's first round picks in 2021 and 2023 uh the 2023 is is uh one to four protected um a big trade i'm huge on vooch i'm also kind of curious i like when the bulls are good um before i get into my opinion i'll let you say what you think about it i mean i think my flash reaction to it was that's crazy of the Bulls to give up two firsts. You kind of see they're semi-protected. You're like, okay. And I mean, the first first isn't going to be great because they got Fooch this year and they got two All-Stars. I mean, they're going to make at least the play-in game at a minimum, I would think. And maybe they'll get into a round or two now because they've got, honestly, a solid team. As far as long-term, what I think is, now that I've kind of had some time to digest the trade, is I actually like the trade for the Bulls. I mean, Vooch is 30 right now. Levine is still kind of is just entering his prime this year. And then you got Patrick Williams, who is, I think, a really great draft pick. And I'm, I think we're both on the, on the same page with that one. And if they kind of develop in this maybe arc where as Vooch gets older, he becomes the third option to Patrick and Patrick Williams is able to develop fast enough to become the second option to Levine. I think this could be a good long-term core, and if that turns out to be the case, I like this trade for the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of and sorry. How about for how about for the Magic now? And I'll I'll we can do it one team at a time, or we can do it we can we can maybe do both. 
But um, I'm curious because the Magic got got a return, a return, and they were big sellers, and they got they got weird returns on on all their players. But this is, I think, this was the best return the Magic got. Oh, for sure, and especially, I mean, the thing with Vucevic is that's who you'd want Wendell Carter to be by the time he's his age, and mm-hmm. I think Wendell Carter just fits the frame better for the Magic. Yeah, it. it, it I think. Mm-hmm. I, I, so I'll start with the magic. Honestly, I, I don't know how much I would have supported, you know, them trading just Gordon or just Vooch. Um, but them trading both of them on top of Fournier, I, I, I give them credit. I mean, they could have, uh, they made the playoffs last year. I think they made them the year before that as well. Made, did they make them last year actually? Um, in the end, who squeezed in? I don't think they did, and we yeah. also we also have to keep in mind they're missing. Um, oh, his name is just Jonathan Isaac as well right now. Yeah, correct. Um, they chose correctly when to blow it up. Um, they had no them keeping this team was they. It felt like it felt like they had not like in a bad way, but held. Gordon hostage for so long and and Vooch kind of fit well with them but um it's nice to see him move on same with Fournier um this is like this is a really good return though for the Magic uh regardless of Otto Porter Jr that's his, it's it's his last year uh the Chicago 2023 pick I, we just mentioned we will probably have an idea of what the 2021 pick will look like and that will be around most likely just guessing 15, 16, 17, 18 area. I mean, this is a deep draft, but that's not a terrible pick to give up. Um, And I mean, for magic, for the magic, it it says more about Chicago's poor drafting, but like Wendell Carter Jr. was a seventh overall pick. What? Two, three years ago. He's young. He was just played one season at Duke. Yeah. He was a, he was a number seven overall pick from the 2018 draft. So like, uh, yeah, this trade is about the first round picks, but you also get a decent return. And then Otto Porter Jr.'s contract is done after this year. So I think they hit it out of the park. Um, moving on to the Bulls, I think the funniest part of this whole trade is actually that people are talking about, you know, how Levine now gets this running mate. And I think having Vucevic will help Levine's game much more than having Levine will help Vucevic's game. But people aren't really like mentioning this. Vucevic is now their best player. He's better than Levine. Uh, he doesn't get too much attention, nor should he, to be honest. He plays in Orlando, and they're not that successful. But Vucevic is really, really good. And he's not like... He would strike you as many people, I'd say, as a bad defender. He's he's not a bad defender either. Um, he's a really good player, to be honest. So... so Two round, two first rounds picks are a lot, but but uh, another way of looking at it is you kind of just got your your team's best player, in my opinion. Um, the last thing I'll say about this trade is, I mean, sorry, I'll I'll give them grades. If I were to give Magic a grade, I give them an A. If I were to give the Bulls a grade, I'd probably give them a ballpark it out of B minus, just because like, yeah, you have Levine and Vucevic, but now you're kind of cap strapped. Like we were talking last episode, Markkinen becomes a RFA at the end of this, and you don't know want you don't know if you want to keep him. Kobe White has had a down year. He's you know he's scoring the ball, but not efficiently. 
especially compared to kind of other sophomores in his similar situations. Um, to me, it's like if the Bulls franchise's goal was to, it almost feels like the Gordon Hayward for Charlotte signing, which has actually worked out really well. But it just it doesn't get anyone over the hump, and it's it's a lot of money and it's a lot to sacrifice. But Vucevic is a great player, so I I'd park it around a B. It just feels like the it felt it feels like the Bulls almost had to do something soon, so that's why they traded. That's why I'm not a huge fan of it. I think I know what you mean as far as they felt antsy to make a move. And I think the B minus as well is right on the nose as far as the right, I mean, grade to give them. It wasn't, I mean, a great trade by all things considered, but they do get better with it. And if they can sustain, uh, sustain this kind of expe- uh, expected like wins that they're going to get now, the second pick won't even be that bad either. And then we'll see, maybe it turns out great for them and they get a couple playoff runs. Levine decides to resign. They add one more piece and it's all of a sudden looking great well, with Patrick Williams. I, I mean, yeah, no, in an ideal word, world, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen the, the real, real hype on Kobe White. Like I just, I, he doesn't seem like even maybe a starter to me. He seems like more of a, a six man scoring type guy like Jordan Clarkson. But I mean, if he just turns it around slightly in terms of efficiency and then Patrick Williams kind of turns into a really, really solid three and D guy, like people, most people are expecting. And I'm not going to say anything about marketing because I feel like we don't know what's going to happen with him. But like that right there is, is if, if all things gel correctly and work together, then no, I agree. Like, there's a good team in that, but it, it's just, it's not even risky. It's just like, it's just not like, it's not great for them. I think that's where I kind of stand on it. Like you almost. Yeah, no, just my final, I guess, parting thought with it would be, they do get better, but what does that ultimately mean? Yeah, definitely. Especially when the East is kind of like pretty top heavy. Um, moving on, we'll stay with the magic. They traded away Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, a first round pick to Denver on this topic. Every Gary in the NBA got traded on, what was it? Thursday, Gary Harris, Clark and Trent jr. That's a fun one. Um, I'll let you go first, but sticking to the magic, uh, yeah, I'll go for it. All right, to be the contradarian, uh, I will start with the Nuggets. And um, I I love what Aaron Gordon does from them. I think he adds another level to hopefully their defense and especially their offense. And with kind of what he does, I don't know if he raises their ceiling as far as what I would... I still expect the Nuggets to be Western Conference contenders. Maybe not finals contenders, but at least Western Conference championship contenders. And I don't think adding Aaron Gordon changed my opinion. I think they're not quite up there in that final echelon with the finals teams, but they're definitely still in that Western Conference finals range. That being said, I do like what he adds to the team, and I could easily be uh, proven wrong here. But people have been talking about Aaron Gordon recently, I think way better than he is like they're talking almost out of pocket since he's one of these guys who is available for 
available. He's so young, so he kind of has this potential to him that people like to fantasize about kind of the magic beans, the picks, everything to do with potential and getting better. And while all these things are true, I feel like they've almost been blown out of proportion. So I do like it for Denver, but as far as their ceiling, I'm not sure how much it affects that this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll stick with Denver too. I mean, first we can just kind of go into what Gordon adds and then we'll kind of big picture it because it's worth it's worth a big picture. Um, he fits really well into their lineup. I find uh, he's a great cutter. So I mean, between having Jokic, kind of there's the um, the the operator of the offense. I, I like that in a sense. Um, he fits really well defensively with Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. Porter Jr. is known for being a bit lackadaisical on defense. And I, I think they've had to put him on the other team's, you know, good forwards. And I think having Aaron Gordon to to maybe guard a LeBron in the playoffs or guard one of a Kawhi, Paul George, and, you know, even like a Donovan Mitchell, I, I think that adds value. Um, so I actually really, really like the fit. And, like, also from a standpoint of what they got rid of, yeah, Gary Harris. Gary Harris has had a really bad downturn to his career. He he he's not good anymore. It seems like um, RJ Hampton. He seems like hopefully the Magic focus on making him their point guard rather than Cole Anthony. I'd be interested in seeing that. And the first round pick is like the Nuggets are going to be a top eight regular season team as long as they have Jokic and Murray. It feels like, or at least close to there, so it won't be a, a terribly high pick. Um, and then on Gordon's contract, it's not, it's not a backbreaker and you know, he's, he's here for a year after this. I, I, I like how they're trying to capitalize on Jokic. They're trying to capitalize on Jokic's prime. They didn't, you know, make a crazy trade dealing away three firsts for another huge contract who, for a player who may want to stay or leave. I, I feel like Gordon's just the right piece. My biggest issue with it, honestly. Um, didn't they just have Aaron Gordon last year and let him walk? Like the Jeremy Grant thing. That's that's what like I it feels like they're just acknowledging that they made a mistake. It's almost like the Bears like not drafting Mahomes or Watson and then trying to trade for you know, Watson and, and Wilson. It's like, yeah, if you end up trading for him, that's that's great. That'll help your team. But you, you kind of missed one in Jeremy Grant. And looking at what Jeremy Grant's doing this year, uh, I believe Gordon and Grant have been in the league for similar times. And, and Gordon's, Gordon's had like the ball in Orlando and for years and it hasn't shown much. I, I think he'll improve. He'll be more into it in Denver. But like, Grant in one season has already really, really improved. So from the, that point, it's like, it's, I just don't like the game of trying to recoup your losses. And that's what this kind of feels like to me, but, but everything like fit wise and talent wise, I love it. So I'll give them an a minus, but whenever a team kind of, and I, I, I support that they admit that they may have made a mistake with letting Grant go, but whenever a team, tries to uh, recuperate their losses like that. Um, 
I, it's just, it's, it's, I don't think it's a great look is what I'm trying to say. No, I think you kind of hit the nail, uh, nail on the head there with that one. And that speaks to my point that I like the move, but I don't know how much it raises their ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know how much it does either. That's one of the ones where with I, you actually, I kind of want to watch it because I, I feel like Gordon's been so stagnant in Orlando in the past I mean, years. He could easily just find his rhythm there with Yochik. I mean, I, I can't imagine that not working well. And, right. But he's been that guy. He's had that opportunity on Orlando on the other hand. So it is definitely one I want to keep my eye on. Yeah. Yeah. There are reasons to be wary. There's reasons to be excited. I feel like we won't know. We honestly won't know to the playoffs. Um, and then on the Magic side, I, I, I mean, you have to give them... You have you probably have to give them an A. I, I mean, I'm not giving them an A plus because I mean R.J. Hampton is not this this godly figure. And, and oh, then- and speaking to your R.J. Hampton and Cole Anthony point, they picked mm-hmm. Cole Anthony when R.J. Hampton was on the board. Right, um, Hampton's. T- I like Hampton more than Anthony, so I I think for Orlando, if even who's seems like they've been guard desperate for years, they haven't had a good guard in years since Oladipo. But you feel like one of them may pan out, so I don't. I I, I like that they got him. Um, then obviously just a first round pick. So yeah, I, I'm good for them. I I give them an A on that. Exactly, exactly. I would be, I think, on board with you. I'm going to be interested to see how the whole Fult Anthony Hampton thing plays out. I feel like Hampton will probably end up sliding to that shooting guard position potentially if they all do pan out with that being said. Yeah. But I mean, there's no better position to be in than having a lot of young talent as a rebuilding team and having the floor space to see what works and what doesn't. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It gives them, it sets them up well for the future. It like, not like it doesn't give them a direction, but it, it lets kind of them know like their priorities. Um, Last trade that Orlando made, they traded away, Fournier for two second round picks to the Celtics. Um, I'll give my quick take on the Magic, and then maybe you can give yours on the Magic and Celtics. This trade annoyed me because it felt like it lowered Norman Powell's stock. Um, I feel like you can get more than two second round picks for Fournier, and I don't know how valuable two second round picks for Orlando is, especially when they got three first round picks from their other players. Um, It just feels like they could have gotten more. No, I agree with you. And as much as I do really like the trade for Boston, we did immediately text right after that going, this is not good for Norman Powell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, yeah. It's a shame it happened that early in the day. Uh, for the Celtics, they needed another backcourt score. Um, and I mean, they got that in Fournier. I, I really like Fournier. I think he's great. But to me, it's like, how many years has it now felt like, well, really ever since they lost Al Horford, where the Celtics are in the running for a big man at the deadline or in the offseason for like like all the time, and they never come out with anything. Like Miles Turner was allegedly available at the deadline, even though he had been playing fantastic. Drummond was available on the buyout market and, and, and nothing again. So I think the Celtics especially, and we'll get it, 
into who they traded away, which I I really didn't like that move. But um, they Ainge Ainge has Ainge has not been great the these past two years. I'll say that. No, considering what all the Nets draft picks have turned into into the end, I think it's a recipe for OKC not to follow. Mm-hmm. But on the on that kind of trade as well, they got rid of Tice, which I think we can talk about now because I don't know if we'll take the time to directly break it down. Yeah. They must have been trying to get rid of Tristan Thompson instead. I'd hope so. At least that would make more sense to me. And in the end, I don't know what Boston cap, uh, cap's going to be this season. Fournier, hopefully, I no, I don't, I don't even want to say hopefully. I know he's going to make them better, mm-hmm. but in an East that's getting increasingly more competitive via the Vucevic trade, I just want to see how that team kind of pans out. If they figure it out from kind of looking like just a couple great extremely talented wings going back and forth to a team out there playing basketball that we've seen in the past before. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it, it, it feels a lot like, and Boston is now seventh in the Eastern Conference. We both kind of know they're more like a four or five seed, but it, it, it seems like going into the season, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee definitely were in that ton of, kind of top pack group and it, it to me it kind of felt like boston was there too it just because they had had such consistent success and i mean brown obviously started off the season great tatum's going to continue to improve um but it really feels like they're they're they've ducked out of that and and they're not to me they're not they're not contenders in the east anymore um but yeah i'm, I'm curious what they'll do in the future because i the chemical the chemical contract isn't great it, it they they didn't make all that use of the trade exception. Not great is an understatement. Yeah, correct. Not great is an understatement. They haven't didn't make great use of either trade exception on Kyrie or Gordon Hayward. It honestly like they've been struggling ever since Al Horford left to find a big man. It's yeah. It feels like the Celtics should have such an upward tra- trajectory, but it, it it doesn't feel like that right now, especially right now to me. No, as but with with all this being said, as long as they do have that young core of Tatum and Brown, and honestly, I think Time Lord has looked, or Robert Williams, also known as, has looked <laughs> unbelievable in his time on the court. Mm-hmm. There is potential, I think, with that core. There is potential with that core for the long term. It's just oh, that yeah. these pieces around them are not working this season. Yeah, for them, they have time. They have time. Um Going to the moving to the next one, and this one we may talk about the most, and we'll touch upon who the Raptors didn't trade after this, maybe. But uh, Portland trades for Norman Powell, and Toronto gets Gary Trent Jr., Rodney Hood. I'll I'll let you I'll let you riff first about this. But originally, I I recall we were both a bit upset, and now we may have changed that a bit. But I'll 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 let you share your thoughts. So initially. If I never heard about the Fournier trade, I would have been upset about this, I think was kind of what our conversation was centered around is if that Fournier trade didn't go down and kind of the value in the market was set, I would have expected to see a draft pick of some sort coming our way, whether that be a second or future 
first or lottery protected first, not a unprotected first by any means, but some sort of highly protected pick that we'd be able to acquire that could potentially add some value. With this, because Norman Powell is a better player than Gary Trent Jr. With this being said, Gary Trent is 22. He's actually our age's our age, and his NBA career is super young and has a ton of potential. Portland did not end up wanting to pay him for what they thought he would demand in their market. And in our case, we're in the exact same spot with Norman Powell. So it was really a swap for swap for players who are both going to get the bag, but the teams were kind of in different areas of need and valued different types of players more. With that all mm-hmm. being said, right now the uh, the Toronto Raptors are playing the Portland Trailblazers, and earlier in the week they played the Phoenix Suns. And Rodney Hood has looked – I might be jumping the gun with this one, but he's looked great, honestly. I think Evan and I are already suckers for Rodney Hood and what he can show in this 3 and D before his Achilles in this, uh, injury. But he's been kind of giving it to them tonight, tonight being uh, Sunday against the Blazers. And – I'm if he continues to give us solid minutes, and I was initially s- sad about losing what Terrence Davis could bring as far as potential because of how young he was as well. I mean, he's been playing terribly this season, and Rodney Hood has just been so much more fun to watch out there in these two games. Extremely limited fast take, but I think this could be a great trade for the Raptors if we can get Rodney Hood on something very cheap coming back and give him uh, continue to give him a chance to improve his value in the league. With our expert medical staff, mm-hmm. yeah, we yeah. I'll get, first of all, the Rodney Hood thing. I'm not gonna speculate. I, I feel like I haven't watched him too much. He's bounced around. He's kind of been the same player his entire career. Um, regardless of how good or not good he is, he's really fun to watch. He's such a smooth operator. I love the I love his jump shot, the lift on it, the 90 degree elbow. A lot of fun to watch. So I mean, just like just that alone, honestly, in a season that's been going the way it has, brings me joy. Um, maybe that's just because I'm a freak, but uh, so be it. Um, but then just straight up, I mean, I give. I feel like I give both teams kind of like a B plus. Um, I think Norman Powell. People were kind of like Gary Trent Jr. brings a bit more defense than Norman Powell. Obviously, Powell's brings way more offensively off the dribble and shooting but people were kind of like well the blazers of backcourt has struggled defensively in past years uh and still do trent helped them with that people were kind of questioning that but honestly i i think powell really really he's a great offensive player and um when they want to stagnate cj and dame and have one on the four and one not i think powell is a huge help on the ball too he's improved his dribbling um a lot i'm sure you can attest excuse me to that as well um they will they were gonna have to pay powell or trent regardless so i mean i guess it makes sense but i'll I'll give them a b just because like they don't gain that much but they also don't lose so much and then toronto i'll I'll, i originally i was with you i just i wanted picks i wanted to see what messiah could do with picks uh, he's drafted Siakam. He's drafted OG late. Uh, even Pirtle, I thought was a great pick. Um, I want to see Masai with first round picks in his hands. And unfortunately we couldn't get any of that, but I mean, Trent's 20, like you just said, Trent's 22 year, years old and he's making 40% of his threes. That's not going to worsen. Uh, he's a good defender. Um, my only thing is that 
you traded Powell because you didn't really want to pay him. It didn't make sense to pay him, but you're going to have to pay Trent. So it's kind of like you're kind of swapping for a guy who's just younger. So in that sense, it's like I give the Raptors a B plus sort of deal because it, it from all angles, money, age, and probably talent. Um, it's felt like it feels like Trent is a bit on more on the upswing than Powell, although I, I think Powell's really good. But yeah, like uh, it's it wasn't even a bad trade. It's more just as a Raptors fan, I didn't feel satisfied. But with that being said, I'm glad we did it. I mean, we we were gonna lose Powell this off season, and if we can mm-hmm. retain Gary Trent for something not too egregious. I'm going to be happy with that to see him develop as a Raptor in a short amount of time. I really liked his game in um, um, in Portland as well. And in the time earlier this year when CJ's been out, he has stepped up to the call and been playing starting basketball. And I yeah, think he's he, going to continue to do that for us and add that defense that Powell necessarily didn't always bring. That being said, he has a great wingspan, but I want to talk about it as well for a little bit from the Portland side of the trade because a lot of people over there have been like, oh, why would you do this type of swap? You're going to have to pay Powell anyway. Same exact idea over there. But I think they've almost realized they're not going to be a uh, defensive juggernaut and they're not going to shut guys down. They just have to contain them. Mm -hmm. And Powell's ability to create not only shots for other people, but his own shot is huge for them. And just that three pretty much guard lineup with that being said, Powell is used to guarding small forts and he does have that intimidating 6'11 wingspan for only being 6'3. He does have the ability to shut, uh, not shut them down, but at least stand in front of them. So maybe that added offense could add another layer to this now tri-layer guard attack almost. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where my sense people on the internet of kind of being like this this steals felt like it's made less sense for the blazers than the raptors um first thing i'd say which you kind of just said there powell's good he's actually good so i don't think any team loses but i don't think any team gets a major win um next while we're on the raptors we may we might as well acknowledge no no lowry trade I, I think we I, were both shocked by it at the end almost, of the day. Yeah, I almost don't know what to feel about it. I, I it's un, I'm uncertain because if the first round pick was on the table, which it had to have been, and then another player like Precious Achua or Maxi wherever were on the table, then it seems almost silly that we didn't take it. But at the same time, like I'm not like it just I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I can't really express my feelings. It just feels silly that we'll. It seems like we're gonna lose Lowry for nothing when we know we both know how smart Messiah is with assets, and you know trading people at the right time. And it, it just doesn't. It didn't seem like it fit his bill. It just. It still seems weird to me. No, it is definitely a strange feeling considering how. I mean, a week ago, we were both out here running a parade for them not to trade Lowry. And I'm still happy, honestly, we didn't trade them. And I, it might be blind, but considering we didn't trade them, I have some sort of belief we're going to resign him, honestly, whether that be a t- for some sort of two-year deal. And yeah. yeah, but like, why would, 
I mean, obviously he'd want to stay just because like loyalty and he likes Toronto and Toronto, Toronto, Toronto will be back next year. We, we had bad luck and we'll be better. But like, wouldn't he rather, it's hard to know. That's the thing too. Like the Raptors keep stuff in house pretty well. So I think, I feel, I feel like it's like if, if we were to give the Raptors a grade on the not trading ladder, it's almost an incomplete. It's just for, for people like us, it's like we saw the Raptors be so good for so many years and now they're not as good but it feels like for us especially who know kind of how things sway and how valuable certain certain pieces are in the nba like we had a chance to really up our capital and potentially look really good in the next couple of years or, or have enough to be able to tra- swing a trade for one of the big superstars like imagine having a two first extra round two extra first round picks when a guy like Harden comes available, I, I think that's important, especially with Masai. It's how he got, uh, what's his name? Kawhi. But um, it feels, yeah, it's almost incomplete. Like, it, it, I, I'm unsure. Also because we love Lowry. That's another reason for All it. All right. Hear me out. This is this is what kind of, this is a, a absolute pipe dream, but this is what my uh, stepdaddy called me after the, he called me after the trade deadline to kind of give me his take on it. And his his idea was for a fun team next year. What the Raptors should do is bring back DeMar, him and Lowry, sync them up on two-year deals, give them another shot with a better supporting cast. And although I don't think we'd win a championship, I feel we'd, like that would be we'd great. We'd win a lot of games with that team. I DeMar's, feel like it would be great. DeMar's He's leading really the Spurs good. into the playoffs right now. Yeah, no, I, I think we'd win a lot of games. The my the funniest thing about that is unless you want to go total small ball where you have OG at your four and Pascal at your five, we, who starts and who who sits? Like, does Lowry go to the bench all of a sudden? I mean, I think we'd go total small ball. I've been and I'd say almost we go OG at the five and Pascal at the four. But this is I've, we're almost going armchair GM now, but that's that's. I feel like that would be a great next season if that's the final result of not trading Lowry. Yeah, oh, well, we can go. Yeah, we're. Yeah, there's a lot of trades left, so so we're gonna move on. But a really quick one I wanted to touch on. I'm not gonna touch on what the other teams got, but Philadelphia getting George Hill. I I like that a lot. Yeah, no, that was kind of the trade that kiboshed the Lowry deal as far as mm-hmm. him being a C plus Lowry. He's good. He's good. He's really good. He's not. He doesn't. He doesn't bring what Lowry brings at all. But he's great. Good. Uh-huh. A good ad. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just remember him from Milwaukee playoff series where it felt like he couldn't hit a three. Like my thinking in those series was, I pray to God Bledsoe's on the floor and not George Hill. So I just have positive memories of him. My, to offset those positive memories. Hmm. Or I guess those My are biggest memories. memory of George Hill is missing the free throws in the NBA Finals, where J.R. Smith did right. not call the timeout and just held the ball and didn't pass it as the time expired. When LeBron dropped a monster, it was like a forty or fifty point game. I remember just I couldn't believe it. I was watching it out with a couple of buddies. And that's my George Hill memory of him just breaking those free throws for LeBron. And then J.R. Smith just leaving him of all his sins, immediately making a way bigger and more magnified mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, yeah, Jr. has been the scapegoat for that thing when it's kind of George Hill. Um, really quickly, we can go over to what the Heat got, and we'll go to the bigger Heat trade after this. But um, really quick, uh, Nemanja Belica traded to Heat for Mo Harkless, Chris Silva. The Heat are really good at acquiring just good basketball players, and dude, Belica's good. No, I like Bielica. And as well, they also got Oladipo. We can package that in here as well. And just mm. the additions they made, as these were the other guys who didn't get Lowry, of course. And the additions they made without having to give up Hero or Robinson, honestly, it made sense for them not to go for Lowry in the end. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I mean, you just you just mentioned it, but we can bring it up because I don't really want to stand here, slander the Rockets for that long. But man... Oladipo for Bradley, Olenek, and a swap. That trade itself isn't that bad, but you basically end up getting nothing for Harden in this in this case, which is almost it's it's almost sad because it feels like the Rockets will be having a tough time for like years now. They, like they really really missed out on getting anything in return for Harden. Um, I almost feel bad. I said it originally. I'll say it again. They should have taken Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And so there's obviously hindsight is 2020. But this is the biggest thing for me. Apparently, they had a chance to have Karis Levert in the James Harden deal over Oladipo. Like that, that just makes common sense. Um, as well as Jared they, Allen. Yeah, they chose Oladipo. It's, it's, yeah, man. And, it, it seems like such a direct Philadelphia's front office since Daryl Morey's gotten there has been amazing. And um, the Rockets, not so amazing. So I, I think the Rockets had the worst trade deadline, in my opinion. And the Heat, they, I'd be surprised if Oladipo stayed there for the year after this, but Oladipo's a really good player and put him in a playoff situation. I mean, if there's anyone who can kind of guard a guy like Harden or maybe a Middleton, um, Drew Holiday type of character. It's him. So for the Heat, I like that a lot. No, and I think there is actually long-term potential for Oladipo there because he's expressed interest to go there as well. He lives there during the offseason. He trains there during the offseason. Oh. And um, as far as – I wonder if he can take a role there. Mm-hmm. But – I think he does leave a lot of ball handling duties that has been placed on Tyler Hero, who I predicted as the most disappointing player of the season this year, actually, and has not quite lived up to that title. I foreclosed on top of him, but is close with some Heat players saying he's at best going to be a glorified role player. I still have high hopes for Hero, but this season built off what he did in the playoffs and the new duties he's been given has made him look a bit worse. But with the addition of Oladipo now, who can leave some of those ball-handling duties, I think we're going to see an up uptick in Hero's production. Yeah, I agree. Um, also, like, with the Hero thing, he's young. I I kind of want to see what he looks like the season after the season more than this season. Um, moving on, a uh, couple other... My minor major trades. This one maybe made the least sense to me. Uh, Rondo to the Hawks. Um, Lou Williams. Excuse me. Rondo to the Clippers. Lou Williams to the Hawks. 
what what was going through i and i i we don't need to give a spiel on how good rondo is in the playoffs and how he may work better uh with you know Kawhi and 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 paul george but it, it lou williams just seems like he's better and without lou williams it feels like you now have to rely on like quite honestly a lot on reggie jackson um, Marcus Morris and um, Luke Kennard to to be the third four scores, and I don't think any of them are that good. It's interesting. I mean, Lou Will is definitely a liability defensively in the playoffs. We know that firsthand as Raptors fans. We know he's a defensive yeah. liability in general and can get absolutely matchup hunted. Hmm. But it's this. This feels like almost like a desperate gamble from the Clippers. It feels like the Clippers. They see the Lakers. They know the Lakers are going to be able to get Drummond, and they know that you know Blake just went to the Nets, and and Milwaukee's kind of look, looked pretty good. Philadelphia's looked pretty good. It seemed like a, almost like a, hey, we can do something too. I just don't know how much this helps them. Yeah, I think you hit hit it right on the nail there. And then for the Hawks, I mean, Rondo wasn't really going to help them this year. So, like, picking up two second-round picks and another bench scorer um, and Williams, who's also, like, native of Atlanta, you know, I appreciate that return at the whole Magic City storyline, Lemon Pepper Wings. Um, his contract's expiring, so you don't have to keep him on the books, especially because they just paid uh, a lot of guys a lot of money, and you're going to have to pay John Collins money this season. Um, it makes a lot of sense for the Hawks. No, and I mean, I think Rondo just really finessed everybody. He got his bag, and he's playing for a contender. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, I think this is the last trade we'll go over, and then we'll get into uh, some some window of the week. Uh, JJ Redick and Nicola Melli, Melli to Dallas for James Johnson, Wes Wundu, in a second rounder. Um, for. Dallas, like the the initial reaction is that helps a lot on offense. That's it's totally spreads the floor. Our offense becomes so much more dynamic. But like honestly, it's pretty dynamic already with Luca and Kristaps when they're both when they're both on the court playing well. That offense is dynamic enough, as ridiculous as it is to say. Like just the two of them, and it's it's more so because of Luca. Like for every kind of question Redick might solve, like offensively, like he presents a lot of problems defensively, especially when you have like, I mean, Doncic is not a great defender. You you kind of have to hide Redick on defense, and then Kristaps doesn't give you, I mean, always what you want on that end either. I actually don't know, and it's fine because they didn't give up that much, but I actually don't know how much this trade helps them. Like, for example, I remember years ago when the Cavaliers traded for Corver and everyone was super excited. But you're kind of saying, honestly, when LeBron's on the court, I mean, their offense, your offense is going to be great regardless. It's more of a question of can you stop people? Um, I don't know how much having Corver on the Cavs at the time helped them. And I don't know, I don't know how much having Redick on the Mavericks will help them. I honestly, I think this actually helps them quite a bit, to be honest. Yeah. With the f- I think it addresses the fact that they did make a mistake with the Seth Curry trade. Not being said that Richardson isn't being 
just at least okay for them, just that they need a shooter like that on their team. They made it work with Seth last year, and I think he did add another layer to it with the porzingis Doncic combo, and they were able to hide him enough defensively to the point where it made sense, and I think they're going to be able to recreate that with JJ, and it adds another level of three-point shooting to that already lethal team, like you said, to where they can compete with teams like the Clippers as they did last season. Mm-hmm. Um yeah no i agree like reddick is great it's just like it's it's reverting back to what i'm saying like Doncic is is averaging you know nine assists and they've got guys who can hit threes tim hardaway jr um you know even guys like maxi Kleiber, josh richardson's been hitting this year dorian finney smith isn't terrible either these are all guys who shoot around four threes a game and are above 340 to me it's just it's i don't actually know how much better you get like net net rating like wise it just doesn't it doesn't push the envelope to me but didn't give up much so for that reason it's i'm i'm pushing them to kind of like a like a a b minus b vibe but um yeah i think you bringing up the seth curry point was smart uh it feels like they are missing him a bit but i don't know if reddick is the answer Fair, fair, fair. I'm also a pro Redick. I love the long shot pod. I mean, not the long shot pod, but his uh, the old man in the three podcast as well. So I definitely do have a bit of bias in that direction. Yeah, as you should, as you should. And I mean, just talking about Curry, I think our window for the week uh, on this today's episode was going to go for our favorite shooters, whether the shooting form kind of thing. They don't have to be amazing shooters. We're just more jump shot oriented. Um, it's going to be a snake draft. Uh, I'm happy going first. If if you're if you're cool with that, yeah, swing it, swing it. So I usually am a fan of left-handed shooters. So I'm going to save my lefties to the end. They're a bit they're a bit obscure. Uh, I'm gonna go mellow first. There's something about it, man. The way he like the way he rises up, his 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 elbow, the like the kind of neat leg kick. I know when you it, he's one of those guys. It's like you know, there's a very good chance the ball isn't gonna go in the rim, but like it's almost like fire when he shoots it. He's like you just get like you're satisfied watching it. You just want him to shoot it more, regardless of a it's going in or not, regardless of how contested it is, regardless of he's fading away, because it looks good. His jump shot looks like butter, whether it is or not. And I, excuse me, Melo's jump shot is butter. I, How dare I not respect him more? But I, I just love watching him shoot. If I could watch Melo shoot a ball 30 times a game still, I'd do it because, I mean, everything, like his pull-up, his fadeaway, it's just, it's it's nice to look at. And that's, that's why I chose him first. I mean... I don't blame you at all. I'm watching him put it to work right now in the Toronto-Portland game. It's one of my favorite releases in 2K. It's an iconic release. I think you said it perfectly. Great first pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll you for the next two. All right. So for my first pick, I'm going to go with he's no longer active in the NBA, unfortunately. He's a legend. Everybody knows it. It's Kobe Bryant. Just his mechanics are perfect as far as the fade. The I, I don't even need to break it down. People know what I'm talking about. Kobe's jump shot is iconic. 
people argue yeah. it should be in the logo, his fadeaway. I will and, say this. Whenever you're people universally and internationally say your name before throwing a paper ball into a garbage can, then you know then you know you're doing something right with your jump shot. And with Kobe, he's 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 done something right. <laughs> and it's money in 2K too to boot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love my favorite part about Kobe's jump shot is the way he kind of hangs. Like he doesn't guys like Reggie Miller, Ray Allen shoot at the very, very top of their kind of flight of their jump. Kobe, Kobe can do many things. He can kind of I like when I love when he kind of hangs and then shoots on his downwards. That's just me though. No, uh, it's me too, for sure. Yeah. And with that being said, I mean, my next one is going to be purely predicated on NBA 2K. It's my favorite release that I've used in it. It's D'Angelo Russell's. I just think it's it, it feels perfect. If it's It looks great in real life, don't get me wrong, but the way it works in 2K as a huge 2K player, I have to pick it with my second pick here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's smooth. I I watching lefty shooters are definitely are definitely uh the best type of shooters and and Dilo has like such a swag about him too. He almost he shoots like he's in high school almost. And I love the rainbow. Um I love the kind of the one-handed release more than others. It's just nice. It's it's great on the pull-up, it's great off catch. Um and, and moving on that my next pick is is another kind of lefty who has a bit of a lazy jump shot i think it's smooth i love how he doesn't jump um he's quick trigger you can pull it whenever he wants it's hardens jump shot uh i i love it man I, I love how he doesn't jump i love how he can shoot it with someone in his face it's just it's 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 what does it for me no i think that's an absolutely perfect pick it's like he's not ever contested, honestly. He just misses them if mm-hmm. he's missing them. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, my next pick, I'll stay with the lefty. Kind of funny how none of us have chosen Clay yet, but I feel like Clay's the boring pick. Um, this is gonna this may weird you out, or this may click in your brain and be like, I back really hard. My next pick is uh, CJ Miles. I loved his jump shot. I lo- again I love lefties when their elbows are bent. Um I love the spin he put on the ball. Too bad his jump shot never went in. It's it's a shame it didn't. But I think I thought it was so smooth. I just loved it. It was like it was like he launched it. Um, So yeah, I'm going with him. I know weird, right? No, I liked his uh, jump shot when he was on the Raptors. I thought it was smooth. I wish it went in one more. I'll be honest. Okay, thanks. Thanks for the positive reinforcement, Tom. But you know, I wish it went in more. But good looking jump shot nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, as a lefty myself, I gotta throw respect on all the lefty picks. Right, lefty. There's something about lefty jump shots, man. I, I don't know what it is. Don't look at mine. <laughs> I wasn't planning on it, but might change your mind on that. But uh, moving on, I'm gonna go with Steve Nash for my next pick. Uh, homegrown Canadian talent. Just he's not to the same extent as Kobe, but a tiny little bit of lean back on his shot. Just those smaller guys who are able to get those high shots off just always impress me. And Steve Nash, he's two-time MVP, eight-time All-Star, Hall of Fame, seven-time All-NBA. I mean, there's no better player to pick than him, in my opinion, for this, uh, for one of my final picks here. Yeah, Nash is like, when you see his jump shot, he's like the one where it feels like, okay, if you had to start with nothing and got to choose one jump shot, 
to like have yourself, I, I'd choose nauseous. And then with my final pick here, I'm going to go with the boring pick. It would be a shame. It's perfect fourth round value. I'm going to go with Clay Thompson. I can't leave him undrafted. Fair enough. It's the, it's the boring pick because it's the best pick at the same time. It's so money. It's cash. It's, it's Visa Direct. It's PayPal. It's any type of payment. It's Bitcoin. It just always it's gonna it's always gonna work. I don't know what I don't even know what form of currency is gonna last long enough to keep up with the consistency of Clay's jump shot. The form and and value of the currency doesn't matter. It's it's that it's currency itself. I agree. Um, thank you for picking him because I felt like someone had to do it. Um, last pick. I've gotten my filled my lefty quota. I I also had. Michael Red and Chris Mullen on the board. Great, Michael Red is another two K legend. Yeah, as far as but, uh, I'm, I'm going with J.R. Smith. I mean, there's no one who fades on a wide open th- corner three. It's smooth. I love the elbow action. Um, it's definitely the swaggiest jump shot. Like, it's almost like it doesn't matter. He doesn't even care if it goes in. He's just happy shooting it to just be like, look how cool of a jump shot I have. Look how sick it is. And for that, I, I give him credit because, I mean, it's not easy fading on a op- wide open three when there's, you know, a lot on the line, but but he does it anyway. So for that, I feel like I have to give him some designation award, if you will. No, I think I think that's a perfect way to round out the end of the draft. If you had to give one special mention, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Who would it be just to end things off? I'm trying to think of a weird one that I really like. CJ Miles kind of fit that bill. Um, Do we hear Sean Marion? Do we hear? Oh, no, that's Sean Marion's broke. I, I'm not into the Lonzo show. Ball. Do we, do we appreciate the evolution of a jump shot? Of course we appreciate the evolution. There's nothing quite like it. Um, one, give me an honorable mention. All right, easy. I'm gonna go with Marc Gasol. Ooh, um, that's a good one. I like his too. It's fast. It's quick. He he like he doesn't just jump. He just hovers above the ground for a few seconds, like almost on his tippy toes, not quite off the ground. I don't even know how to put it, but yeah. it was just a flick of the wrist, a quick snap. It looked so awkward, yet somehow awkwardly effective and i always have a, a soft spot for mark mm-hmm. fair enough um talking about big men we have a soft spot for their jump shot I, i'll just go with the i'll go with boucher i love how he slings it man I, it, it's 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 crazy to watch it's crazier that it goes in but man the the sling jump shot is an underrated jump shot Jokic kind of has it too it's it's fun. it's yeah. another fun kind of sh- jump shot and with boucher it's his whole body too like it's like almost like a, a like a plastic fork that you bend down and then let wave back and forth as it wiggles back to shape and it's just as he's going back and just launches it forward it's it's a spectacle to watch but an effective spectacle being said and i'm gonna leave uh i'm gonna leave off on that note you are listening to the jabroni show on cfrc 101.9 have a great morning hey we're We're paragon
Cause. And you're listening to JB on CFRC 101.9 FM. FM. Hello, I'm Tamara Cicerella, a counselor serving area residents who live with addictions or mental health concerns. Deeply committed workers like me assist people in reaching their recovery goals. On April 1st, Addictions and Mental Health Services in Kingston and Frontenac joins Lennox and Addicton in offering confidential, quality services. Addictions Mental Health Services, Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox and Addington is committed to providing the best possible services to all who need it. For more information in Kingston and Frontenac, call 613-544-1356 or in Lennox and Addington, 613-354-7388. 